and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, guys, it's 100 episodes. Hey, it's 100 episodes. We've been doing this for 100, 100 episodes. I think like... 100 episodes. Wow. Yeah, I think if we if you get on the iTunes, it says like more than 100, but it's counting like the outtakes episodes and all that stuff. It's a solid hundo. Yeah, this is a solid hundo of book club-related episodes, so I'm so happy about that. Who would have thunk it? 100 of friendship. There you go. Wow. The big 10 plus another zero on the end of that, boy, you've got, if you've got 10 tens, boy, you've got 100. There you go. And um, if this is your first episode, we're an all Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. And every week we interact with our listeners for our 100th episode. Do you want to tell them about it? 100 times. 100 times. Here's what you do for 100 times. You, you We're going to tell you what you're going to read. And then you're going to, uh, we're going to read it. And then you're going to read it. And then we're going to talk about it. And you're going to listen to what we talked about. You're going to listen to that 100 times. <laughs> and then we're going to, you know, because that's the hey damn guys. You send us like an email or you, you get go. on the Facebook and you type out what you're going to say. And then we <laughs> are going to read that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what you talked about. And then we're going to tell you again what you're going to read. And then it's going to go all all over again. And that's friendship and that's a book club back to you john ah thank you i feel like all the hundred episodes have been building towards what? that epic <laughs> wait 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 hold on a second i wasn't paying attention can you repeat all of that exactly word for no word? problem here i go <laughs> <laughs> and i want to thank uh, all of our listeners you know i was trying to think of like you yeah, know listeners. some of the some of the good times that we've had you know recently we had our bean talk reoccurring no. segment there's been like a a through line of pickle talk sprinkled sure, throughout. Sure, right. Oh, yeah. All the pickle talk we, we did. We went on a Neil Diamond uh, kick sure for did. a couple episodes <laughs> sure where some, some Neil Diamond kept coming up for some reason. And um, oh. yeah, I was thinking about um, when the new Hellboy movie was coming out and somebody on Reddit took the tagline out and put, hey, you damn guys. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. It's you pretty know what good. I mean? We've yeah. had some interaction with a lot of the artists and a lot of the creators, you know, have That's talked fun. to us yeah. and... Um, yeah, it's just been a well, really great experience. It's so interesting because we've formed what I would consider to be now like lifelong friendships. Oh, yeah. Like solid, sincere, actual, close friendships with people. Yeah. That, I mean, I, you know, that's awesome. That's fucking great. You know, we're in our 30s and 40s. Like that's yeah. making new friendships like that is fucking great. But it's <laughs> yeah. it's such a deep and it's so it's it's really interesting all the people that we talked to from all over the world, from like Mexico and fucking yeah, where really? else? Like you were saying the other day, like all these, a lot of the like, like, whoever, I don't know, South America. Yeah, uh, I don't know. All no, the I... way in California. No. <laughs> Just, but oh, you wow. know what I'm, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. Like they're all. It's there's we talk to people from all over the world, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's, fun, it's, it's amazing. Fun to do that. And we're yeah. always getting new listeners all the time, which I really appreciate. And like when I was just reading these comics, and I was a fan, you know, I was a fan of Matt. And I was a fan of Mark Tweedo, and to be able to have them on the show and talk to them and be friends with them yeah. and all this kind of stuff, I mean, it just blows my mind when I think about it. So thank you guys so much for 100 episodes and for participating all this time and for all the new listeners, too. It's just been a really positive experience, and uh, thank you so much. It's been it's been really interesting hearing everyone's different points of view, and that's a book club. It sure is. That's, that's it's the greatest yeah, book club ever. So yeah, thank you indeed. Thank you, everybody, for you know listening and chiming in and just just being all around really cool people. 
because I didn't know what this was going to be. John was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a <laughs> doing a book club podcast for these comic books you've never read. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's like so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to read them and then talk about them <laughs> and uh okay uh, uh, sure why not that's fine yeah i had no fucking idea that anyone else was gonna give a shit but that's fun it really it's is fun. yeah it's been amazing and um you know like i've been saying if you enjoy this show um we've been doing this for a hundred times you know leave us a review share us on social media follow us on our social medias and all that follow stuff Follow us 100 times there you go <laughs> follow us and then follow us back and then unfollow us and follow us back do that a hundred <laughs> times today i want to give an update on the gofundme thank you everybody who participated and who donated money so i emailed gofundme and i asked them about the fees i was like because they didn't charge me any fees and I was like, aren't there supposed to be fees associated right. with this thing? And so they emailed me back and basically they took $52 out to pay for the fees. But two book club members had donated extra money in, in exact in the exact amount of $52. Oh, wow. One book club member gave $32 and another one gave $20 uh, as a tip. Okay. Oh, okay. And so that paid for those fees. Wow. And so all the wow. money went towards there. That's Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's great how that worked out. So the fourteen ten all went to the NAACP that's Legal Defense wild. Fund. Wow. Wow, that is so amazing. And yeah. so um, hopefully by the time you listen to this episode, the prizes are in the mail. I have yet to package them up yet. But I've been communicating with all the winners. And I wanted to shout out Jim Laurie. He said, I would like to add that although I've never had time to comment or write in, I've been listening since the Wolves of St. August episode, oh. and I've been a fan ever since. Thanks for all the work on these shows and these raffles that support great causes. Aww. Friendship, Jim Laurie, book club member. Aww, Jim yeah. Laurie, <laughs> book, club book club member. And, you know, that's fine, you know, to just listen. You don't have to write that's in. That, you hear that? That's a, like a trope at this point. The first, the long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, yeah. But that's great that you, yeah, that's good. Thanks for chiming in there. Thanks I like, for your, you know, donation. And all yeah, that. I like knowing that those uh, silent listeners are out there sure. just taking in the content. <laughs> yeah, but feel free to write in whenever you want. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. We had a hey you damn guys from Efrain Navarro. Hey, Efrain Navarro. Book club member. That's right. Nice. He said, hey, you damn guys, congrats on 100 episodes. You're wonderful people. And it has been a blast enjoying these comics with you. Aww. On The Visitor, I was really looking forward to hear your take on this one, since those panels in Seed of Destruction and Conqueror Worm, the aliens intrigued me. As the years passed, I thought we were never going to hear from them again. When The Visitor was announced, I was really pumped up, and my excitement doubled when I read that Paul Grist was involved. I really love his work. He has the best and most imaginative page layouts. If you're not familiar with his Jack Staff series or Kane, you must check them out. His Demon Nick on Judge Dredd magazine is also awesome. I think he's one of the most underrated comic book writers and artists out there. I was expecting The Visitor to be a story of cosmic scope, but the result really surprised me. A down-to-earth story about love and humans being as creatures capable of the best and the worst deeds. This is one of the better works of Chris Robertson in the Mignolaverse. I agree with some of your critiques of his work in Hellboy and the BPRD. He tends to get heavy in the exposition and his writing doesn't always hit the mark, but I loved iZombie. 
Nevertheless, I enjoy his 1954 and 1955 stories, thinking of them as if they were a Sunday TV cartoon or Monster of the Week style. Last but not least, some bean talk. Some bean talk from oh, Ephraim. No. Yeah. He said, I was restraining myself from writing about this subject, but oh let me introduce you to the delight of molettes. Okay. First, you take bread and you slice it in half. Then you put some butter on the bread, refried beans and cheese in that order. Then you bake the whole thing for a couple minutes just to melt the cheese. Then finally, you put some chopped tomatoes, onions, and chili pepper on top. Molettes. Look for pictures on the internet. You're welcome. Is that open-faced or does he say... Is that I a, think it is, yeah. Okay, okay. I think it's like an open face thing. So it's thing, a sandwich. And it's got like the refried beans on yeah. it and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, my it's God. A, Kathy, Kathy makes homemade free refried beans, so I'm going to do this next you. time she yeah, makes them. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> so, okay. You could do that with bread. You'd probably do it with tortilla if you wanted well, to. Well, there you go. Yeah, you're one I mean, step away like, from like a chalupa or like something. A, or, yeah, yeah, or like a burrito. Or <laughs> no, I'm going to do it with the bread. Yeah. No, it's fine if you want to do that. I'm just, you know, that's fine. Because refried beans, when you've got that, that's like a paste. Yeah. That's like a spread. Sure. So that's, yeah. Okay. Okay. We also had a Hey You Damn Guys from Lars Volts. Lars Volts. Book club member. Book club member. He says, I love the Ted Howard's Galdinar character. Yeah. The moment I was taken to that grimy basement in Chicago. I haven't finished the Devil You Know series yet, and I'm really curious to see where he ends, begins again, fades beyond, enters anew. I really appreciate your discussion about this character. It increased my intrigue and pushed me to buy my first piece of original comic book art. And so he posted this page. It's from Reign of the Black Flame. And it's got Howard's in one of the panels with his sword. It's so cool. And it's this one moment where it's kind of like Howard squaring off with Leonid. And then there's an interaction between Yosef and Jiroko where... You know, Yosef's like, oh, we had no casualties. You're so good at your job. And Jericho's like, don't give me all that. I'm not going back in there or something like that. Yeah. It's a cool page. He said, akin to the ancient Greek vase painting of warriors done by Exechias, this page depicts mighty figures outside of direct combat in an elegant way that it's bursting with potential. As standalone, it carries the weight of battles fought and enemies not yet encountered. A kind of continuum of existence is made from the composition of these characters that emphasize these stories, fluxing associations to ends and beginnings. Howard's is a bridge entity ferociously enveloped and spanning times gone and yet to be. Yosef, stuck in his own undeath, bravely faces challenges, hoping for better days ahead. Leonid stands resolute and powerful and yet cautious at grenade launcher's reach from danger despite knowing that he will heal from any massive damage. And in front of this backdrop of exceptional entities is Carla Jiroko, a mother and warrior, herself a symbol of clashed associations between birthing and death among this group she is a simple human quote unquote and she is so much more she fights just as ferociously and bravely without special abilities does this make her humanity more impressive than the gargantuan evils they face our cooties writing in heron's work on this page compresses potent prophecies and ideas about end times that have been brewing in the hellboy universe for decades and it presents for us to taste like testing a soup we get a flash of insight into flavor and feeling and ultimately the characters walk away and we let the soup simmer i'm excited to find what else i see in this work thank you guys for all your work on the book club and for creating a community where i feel welcome to talk about what i'm seeing in the work your inclusivity within the project is admirable Take care, Lars. Aw, thanks, Lars. Yeah, that was wonderful. I need you to look at some of the pages that I've <laughs> that yeah. I've bought and, and describe them to me like uh, that yeah. because that was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the page that he uh, sent over, and it's 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 gorgeous. Oh yeah, that James Heron artwork is so incredible. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good writing. Yeah, it sure. I also is. want soup now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> some soup. Soup talk with Danielle soup and the talk. gang. Is that a new segment starting on our hundredth episode? Wasn't that already a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Have soup we done talk? soup already? No, 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 I'm talking about like it. Wasn't that the oh, name I think of the show? Was a... <laughs> what already? I think so. In, like, talk the 90s? soup. Talk oh, soup. That's talk what it was soup. called. Okay. No, this is soup talk. That's there you a different. Go. Something thing. different. Yeah, we're actually talking about soup. We had some feedback on Hellboy and the BPRD, The Mirror. Ryan Yule said, I have a wonderful original art page by Richard Corbin from this story. And he shared that on our Facebook as well. Thank you so much, Ryan. And always remember, you can go over to our Podbean webpage or our Facebook About section. You can check out Ryan's awesome collection of original art. He has so many great pages. We had some feedback on Hellboy and the BPRD, The Unreasoning Beast. Mark Tweedell commented how he loved the panel where Hellboy confronts the little kid Victor at the end. Hellboy says, it's okay, kid. You're not alone. And Patrick Reynolds, the artist, responded to that comment. He said, I very much appreciate the shout out. When I read the script for that page, I knew the last panel had to be emblematic, not just of the story, but to what Hellboy stood for. Credit Chris Robertson for writing that moment so well. And yeah, that was really cool. And Another listener at Rev, Andy Carlson, who also donated to our GoFundMe, he also responded equating it to Broom helping young Hellboy when he was born on Earth. And we talked about that a little bit last week. He shared an amazing recreation of that scene by Daniel Warren Johnson, who we all love and we've mentioned on the show before. And Andy said, to me, this moment is the thesis moment of the entire saga. One act of kindness can be the pivot point around which history turns. Okay. Yeah. What would have happened if Broom didn't rush in and save Hellboy, right. you know, in that mm-hmm. moment? You know, things could have gone so differently. I love thinking about that. And some feedback on The Visitor, our story that we discussed last week for part one. We had a Hey You Damn Beans from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member. He said, I can't believe bean talk is still happening. I can't stop laughing. I also can't believe it. This is ludicrous. Whatever happened to pickle talk? That's what I want to (laughs) know. I believe the MM of Michael Mathers is a nod towards another MM, Mike Mignola. Nice. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. He said, I was genuinely surprised you didn't have anything to say about Vic, especially since you've seen him before in Hellboy and the BPRD, The Unreasoning Beast. Yeah, so this blew my mind. I didn't even think about it. Remember that guy meditates in the middle of the street and he conjures up a gorilla to fight the armadillo? Oh, okay. That's the little kid from Unreasoning Beast. Remember he was conjuring that monkey? And then at the oh. end, they're like, oh, we're going to take oh, you with us. I did not and remember that. Dr. San, who's going to... And we had just read it. I totally didn't Jeez. make that connection, but his name was Victor. No, and then yeah, thank you for that. Hellboy calls him Vic. Wow. That blew my mind. So that was so awesome. Yeah, when you when you posted that comparison um, earlier this week, I was just like, oh, fuck, yeah, how did I not I connect this? Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I love that. Nathaniel Green said, this is such a timely love story. And Ryan, you also mentioned that Vic was the boy from The Unreasoning Beast. Jerry Turnbull said, This is one of my favorite Mignolaverse books, mainly because of the amazing art from Paul Grist. Here's a six-page sequence I own from his first run on Jack Staff. And so if you want to go to our Facebook section, you can see this awesome uh, series of pages that Jerry Turnbull has. I'm going to have to check out that Jack Staff comic. It looks really cool. Yeah, those pages he showed were pretty awesome. Yeah, it, I'm uh, I'm really becoming a fan of Paul Grist. I'm surprised I haven't read any of his other stuff, so I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Sarah Cole said, I love The Visitor and his almost mother box cosmic cube. Sarah Cole! Book club member. She said, 
he, out of everything in the Hellboy universe, feels like a loving homage to Jack Kirby. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I awesome. That. Jason Abaddon said. Jason Abaddon. <laughs> Book club member. Aubrey's notion of having the artist recreate that Hellboy scene is exactly what I had Tyler Crook do with the end of Garden of Souls, where Abe and Ben are sitting on the porch outside of the house. Yeah. So remember, uh, he has that commission from Tyler Crook where they're clinking the glasses. Yeah, that yeah. kind of carries off with that moment. I love that. And oh, that's so awesome. And Carl Moline also did one of the Polaroid for him, where it's got Abe, Liz, and Hellboy. He says it's oh. so cool to see another artist take on the scene. Is that the one where, uh, like, they're all kind of like arm in arm, and one of them's yeah. got the, the devil? Yeah, I love that picture. He also said that he likes the notion of an evil egg salad. We need an egg salad sandwich of doom. <laughs> I'm thinking of a pita with paprika on top of the eggs. Yeah, Aubrey mentioned that last week. Nice. Oh, wow. I don't remember mentioning that. <laughs> no, because you were like, uh, the visitor was watching Hellboy get his magazine, and he was like, if he gets an egg salad sandwich after this, he's evil. Remember ah, you yeah. said something? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Art of the X-Men said that Mignola's version of the alien is very Mobius-like. And oh, cool. Yeah, I like that comparison. And I posted the little montage of those little teachable moments where they're teaching Hellboy all the little life yeah. lessons. Mm-hmm. And Mac Alpha Man Style said, I could always agree with the second one, my fellow fan. And that's when Archie's saying, nothing worth doing comes easy. Yeah. I thought this was really cute too. Spring Royal Boot Job on Instagram said, this inspired me to finish my coding classes. Okay, nice. I'm glad that, uh, that that post could help you power through um, whatever work you're working on. Yeah. I was also asking our listeners, did the visitor help Hellboy defeat the dragon? We talked about that last week. I think we all felt like they like he did, but I wanted to throw it out to the listeners. At Seeker99 said, I always thought it was just a happy accident. And Wes Mattis said, I like the idea of the visitor stepping in a little. I don't know if that takes away from Hellboy being the guy that defeated the dragon and what that meant to the Osiris Club since it seemed like they were testing him. Yeah, because if it was a test for them and then the visitor helped, then no, he didn't really pass I that test, I don't think that takes away at all because this, first of all, teamwork has always been a central theme of all these books. Sure, So that's yeah. fine. Teamwork is fine. The test wasn't about killing the dragon. The test was about the blood and whether or not the flowers were going to grow out of okay, fucking blood. Yeah. So the test is the blood and the flowers. Right, you're absolutely right because it wasn't even about the dragon. No. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So that's great job. Yeah, I you know, teamwork is good and if if flowers grow out of your blood, even better. Yeah. <laughs> Ross Radke said. Ross Radke. Book club member. Yeah, club and th- member. thank you so much, Ross, also for donating prizes to our yeah, GoFundMe. Thank you for that. So, so far, um, the three sketch cards are going to be Hellboy. One is going to be of the lobster. I thought this was really cool. And someone else requested Nimue. Hey. Yeah, so awesome. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what Ross Cannot does with those wait commissions. To yeah. See. And that's amazing to, to be donating, not only to be donating a commission. To donate several. Yeah. That's three. And to go like, hey, it's whatever y'all want. Like, geez. Because <laughs> you're going to be locked into whatever they want that's you to draw. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But those are some great Those are some great requests. And that's very generous yeah. with your time and labor. And especially with, I mean, it's not just what it, you're drawing right now. That's however many years it yeah. took to get the skill to draw that and all that. So that's amazing. Yes. And really, really great. And also, there was another thing I was going to say. You're going to say, and check out Ross Radke's comic Stomped. That's what I was, was going to say. say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got it. That's exactly right. I was also going to say that, too. I just want to reiterate, 
None of that money's going oh, to us. Oh, right, it's yeah. It's not our GoFundMe. Just for, in case anyone's listening to this for the yeah. very first time, we are not taking any of that money. We don't get paid anything to do this. We're not taking yeah. any kind of donations. It's all for the NAACP defense, legal defense fund, so that's... Just what I was trying yes, to put Yes, yes, throw so, that in there. Yeah. And he said, curious to hear what your thoughts are on The Visitor. I was perfectly content never knowing anything about the aliens. After reading the story, we don't really learn much more about his race. This could have been a great meet-cute romance drama, but it just didn't grab me with the art style and everything. I can almost imagine this as a great Pixar-style film, but as a comic, it just felt like it was too beholden to hitting certain spots of the existing lore. I'll give it a reread, though. It's possible I came into it hoping for a screw-on-head-level weirdness and just never adjusted my expectations to appreciate the story being told. I, I can respect that because I'm I'm also someone who, at times, I feel like it's really important to manage expectations. Yeah. When you're, you know, about to go into some kind of a new experience, like an like art or music or something like that, a book or something, TV show, movies, things like that. So that's really cool. I, I like, uh, you know, that you're able to be like, well, maybe I didn't give it a fair shake. Let me right, check it out again. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you try something as a kid and then now as an adult, you're like, hey, actually, this is good. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's really interesting that you can come out and say like that. I, I, I feel like that's something that I tried to do just at, at the beginning of this whole thing. Right. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into. Let's just have fun with it. Yeah. Let's see. And, uh. I'm on the opposite end of that because when I first saw those aliens, I was like, I want to know everything about these alien guys. What's yeah. going on with this? And so, like you said, ne- we never got anything about it. And so this to me was like, oh, fuck yeah. I'm so here for this. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. And so I didn't have any expectations going into this whatsoever. So I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed you know pretty much every aspect of it. So that's it's interesting that you bring that up. And I think that's really cool. Um, I think it's important for people to hear that. To yeah, maybe yeah. say, maybe there's some things that i could do that with too like maybe if i sure yeah readjust my expectations and and re-experiences and of course there's always going to be things that's not going to work on you're just going to hate it it's not you're not going to like it and that's fine and that's also okay yeah i'm here to also say your opinion is okay it's fine it's completely subjective stuff that we're talking about so that's totally fine if this didn't grab you yeah i want to come back to this comment when we get to the end because that is something that i really that made me like it because I was expecting one thing, and then I was like, why am I tearing up? You know what yeah, I mean? Same, like, I'm like, what the sure. heck is going on with this comic? Like, yeah. I was not expecting to be hit like this. And so, you know, uh, I, I want to come back to this comment when we get to yeah, the end. Yeah, absolutely. You know. I myself didn't uh, wasn't coming to any expectations because, I mean, I, I hadn't forgotten about the alien. I just stopped thinking about the alien because <laughs> because we've gotten so far removed. Yeah, you put from it on the those... back burner, yeah. You know, because I'm, you know, because there's a lot of times when you're starting something new, you add these kind of things to see what sticks and what you know doesn't and all that. And so, we never really saw the alien or the visitor again. And it's just like so, it's just like whatever. And you're like, oh, we're gonna get to the story. And so when I read it, I was just like, oh, this is this is kind of a neat little story, and I'm enjoying it. And then of course, you know, John, I'll jump in on when you when you get back to it at the end because I'm kind of tearing up a little too here at the end. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was like a fun little story, but um, I also would agree with Daniel. Like, uh, you know, I try to go in with things without having expectations because back in the past, I would like watch certain shows and I read all these theories and none mm. of that shit would ever pan out. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> and you know what? I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do that That's anymore. Not, yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to go yeah. in. I'm going to go in blind and I'm just going to watch it. And it's either, I'm either going to like it or I'm going to hate right, it or read right. it. 
or listen to it or, you know, whether it's, you know, music movies or TV shows or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's all I have to say well, about that. You know, yeah, no, but uh, back in the before times when, you know, going to see movies was a thing or whatever, watching movies and stuff, uh, John would say, hey, the trailer for this is out. Do you want to watch it? I'd say, no, I do not. Right. I do not yeah. want to watch that. You don't like to watch trailers. I'd rather just watch the fucking movie. Just watch the movie, yeah. Because I'm not going to, I'm I, not, I, I don't. I, I try and adopt some of that, but like I, at a certain point, I can't take it. Here's the thing, though. We're all, we already know we're going to see this movie. <laughs> we already have plans to watch this movie at some point. We say, hey, that's a movie I'm going to watch. Yeah. Why do I need the trailer? Trailers, in my opinion i guess and this is just my personal fucking opinion are for like hey i've never even heard of this movie what's this right let me and oh let me try to engage you with what with this is okay. what this movie is you sh- maybe you want to see it and i'm like hey maybe i kind of do right, be, i've yeah. never even heard of this movie sure maybe i'll see that so that's kind of what that is for yeah if I already know I'm going to say, oh, I'm totally going to see this fucking movie. No, I don't want to see the trailer. Yeah. I want to see the fucking okay. movie. I don't know. That's just my thing. And obviously everyone's different. It's totally fine if you love trailers and you love reading every little fucking thing you can find about it. But like Aubrey just said, personally for me, that kind of destroys yeah. any sort of enjoyment. I, I used to be like uh, that and now I've kind of gone back a little bit. I'll watch sure. the first trailer to something and then I won't watch the subsequent trailers and I definitely won't go online and try and like, see all the little things or whatever anyway right and i yeah, no. no go ahead well i mean i i personally do still do like trailers but that stems from my childhood uh when i would go see me we'd go to the movies all the time and it'd be like oh we got trailers and we watch or we rent movies on vhs and be like oh coming to you sure, know yeah. and so and it was all like you, you didn't know it but the trailers today it's kind of like oh well i already know this is going to be the avengers yeah, trailer because i'm so clicking fucking... on the avengers trailer yeah button <laughs> it's right. nothing it's not... oh yeah that's I never thought there's about no, that. You never no, knew like, what was real coming. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. But then um but then like there are certain trailers to just give the whole movie away and I'm right. like well, why well why am I going to go see the movie now? I yeah. mean I, I know it's like a everything. miniature movie. Look at it you castaway. <laughs> oh no, really? I never I actually just saw that movie for we the just first time. I'd yeah. never seen anything about it. The only thing I knew about it was that there was a volleyball Right. Yeah. That's the only thing I cuz I guess everyone was cracking jokes about that for so long that became part of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, popular culture. That was it. Well, I I like the part where he made a fire. I want to learn how to cool, fucking yeah. do shit like that. Well, the uh, the the first trailer it just shows you know starts with a plane crash and it shows him on an island says castaway and then that's it. And then the second trailer it shows him spoilers getting off the island and talking to people and all this shit. I'm like, well, we already like, okay, know he gets, gets off the island. That's fucked so up. Why am I gonna go see that? This? Sucks. Yeah, exactly. That's bullshit. But no, uh, what the fuck were we talking about before? Expectations. expectations expectations that's no it's it's really cool that um it's really cool to be able to sit and reflect and think yeah i give that another shot yeah why not i think that's 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 awesome i hope you do and i think like it's also i like what you said about if you don't like something like i think aubrey there's been a couple that you've been like oh this hasn't been my favorite yeah. and i've even said you know some stuff is like not my favorite thing you know of books that we've discussed yeah. too but you checked so, it out you checked yeah, it out but i'm still gonna check you, it out i'm yeah. still gonna give it a thorough go through i'm gonna pull us back on track here yeah now we're gonna go on to our book club episode for the week and this week we're going to continue our discussion of The Visitor, How and Why He Stayed. This is a five-issue miniseries published from February to July 2017, and we're going to be reading issues four and five today, as well as a short story at the end written by Mignola and Robertson, art by Paul Grist, and colors by Bill Crabtree, letters by Clem Robbins. You're a 
you're a five issue miniseries oh, that was yeah? published in <laughs> 2000. When when was it? 17. You weren't even paying attention, were you? I was. <laughs> no, that was right. Okay. Um, and I want to give a little bit of a content warning before we dig yeah, into these issues. Yeah, we should do that because um, in light of especially. I'll just say this issue, it it summarizes events from the civil rights movement, and we're kind of going through our own civil rights movement again right now, it seems like. and I wish it didn't have to happen, it, but it, I'm glad that it is. Yes, and so uh, there is some content in here that is a little too relevant it's for today. racially and, violent, and, and, let's say. And, and you would think that... It's just it's just so weird how this comes up right as yeah we'll, we'll get into it and that it. can be really intense and we we want to respect that and we want us to say that we completely understand being sensitive to that kind of thing it's very it's very horrifying and yeah. shocking and it's terrible so to me it's extremely gratuitous because it is just right there yeah in full view it's not even silhouetted or anything like hinted at. It's just there. Right, right. And that can be very fucking traumatizing for a lot of people. So uh, if you feel like you cannot handle that, we just want to let you know about that. That's totally cool. You shouldn't feel like you should have to look at shit like that. So there's some racially charged violence going on and it's very fucked up. Yeah. So just a heads up on that as we get into this chapter four. Can we also add in a uh, content warning about uh, Alzheimer's because it oh, also yeah. deals with sure. that? Yeah, the uh, visual elements are fucked up, but that's also then, something uh, to think about too. And you know, there are people out there who've lost you know loved ones to this disease, and so if that's something that it, affects you, yeah, it does. Yeah. Also, there are scenes that depict dynamic and relationship between someone who is suffering from Alzheimer's and the people who love them and care for them. And that can be really upsetting yeah. and distressing as well. And so that's good thinking, Aubrey. Thank yeah. You for thank you for that mentioning yeah. that. It's just a very emotional. Yeah, it really set is. Set of yeah. books here that we've <laughs> got. It's very intense. So, so we want to make sure we're being sensitive to that and, and just letting you know what you're getting into just right off the top. We open in Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1992 and we see Michael Mathers, the visitor. He's still documenting his observations of Hellboy saying, he is close to reaching his full potential, but not ready to take up his burden. Michael comes home and he greets Ruby, and then we see him startled. And we're startled, too, because we see Ruby and she's an old woman now. Yeah, this is 1992, so the last time we saw them was in 1978. So now this is 14 years later, And right? we've had hints that he's not aging right. the way that she is. We didn't really have quite as much of an idea of how severe that was going to be because it seems like he's in his human form is not aging at all you know because that's i guess it's like a thing he does like a shape-shifty thing or something or maybe it's like a mind projection thing do we even know but i don't know but i thought it was like a like a projector kind of like sure crawler used to use right beginning of the x-men comics and so um we got kind of a little bit of that in the last issue or whatever but this is very extreme now yeah. we're seeing that she's in a very advanced age here yeah and she's cut herself trying to make a sandwich i, I will have to say that this 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 page broke my heart when i saw this yeah, yeah you know i was just like oh no and he's like it's all right honey i'm home now and he comforts her he documents humans are remarkable creatures. Though susceptible to injury and disease, they are far more resilient and resourceful than one might expect. I have seen humans recover from debilitating physical trauma 
overcome virulent disease, do what they must do, but even in the strongest of them, there is some weakness. And so Michael goes, and he puts Ruby to bed. I just need to rest a while, I suppose, she says. I have developed strong attachments in my time here, one in particular that I... No, protocol be damned. Who knows if ever these reports will even be filed. Let me speak the plain truth of the matter. Ruby, her name is Ruby Mathers. She is my wife. And it's like he cuts off the light there, too. I like the pacing of the panel, right? Because he's reaching for the light switch, and then that last panel is just all black. Super good. Later, we see Michael attending to Ruby. He makes her some chicken soup, and as he's attending to her, the prism starts to go off. Some more some more soup talk here. Yeah, there you go. That goes along with a chicken soup this time. Do you make a good chicken soup? I don't really make that. What, what's your favorite soup? I don't really make soup as much as I make gumbo. Okay, I'll make a gumbo. Do, is that a is that like a, does that fall under the stew category or is no, that its own? No, thing? absolutely not. That follows under the gumbo category. That's ah, not okay. a, Aubrey is correct. That's <laughs> not a stew. You make a pretty good stew though too. I do make a good stew. Yeah, there you I'll go. I'll make a stew. Yeah, I, uh, I make a stew. I don't really make a soup. Kathy makes a really good chicken soup. Okay, nice. And I make a chili. my favorite soup is soup. All oh. of it. Okay. <laughs> all of soup. Okay. Oh, I like a baked potato soup. Well, all that I've had. Oh man, I like a fucking baked potato soup so much. It's been so long since I've had a baked potato soup. I like to make chili. You got a chili recipe? Love... does. Oh, nice, nice. I love a good chili. That's really good. Hell yeah. And so I guess Michael makes a pretty good chicken soup. He's like, I followed your recipe as best I could. You'll have to let me know how I did. So sweet and cute. Yeah. Ah, it's not going to be as good as yours, but yeah. I did my best. Adorable. And so when the prism goes off, he doesn't want to leave Ruby. When matters arise, I find that I must trust others to handle them, he writes. He's like, look, I know where my priorities are now. And you know what? The kid's doing good. He's doing a good job. I love this scene, yeah, because they get a call at the BPRD headquarters. The receptionist is like, how can I direct your call? And so she gets info about a sighting in Montana. But when she tries to get the contact information, they hang up. The agent next to her asks if it was a crank call. The receptionist, her name is Martina. She says it seems legitimate. And so he just like, and then we cut it's to him. him. Yeah, we cut to him like holding Ruby's hand as she eats the soup. And the so phone here is in the foreground, right. which is meant to imply that he made this call. I love that. Love it, and it's uh, it's very effective. The whole pay. It's very. It's like we always fucking talk about. There's no fucking big long ass explanation. And then I called them and I gave them the information. And then I hung up the telephone. Right. I stopped talking on the phone to them. <laughs> like there's none of that shit. We uh, we get it. You know, it's great. So the the uh, lobby decoration budget is a little 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 too much. Maybe we could put some of that. Well, this is the Frank Lloyd. In, uh, this is the Frank Lloyd Wright building. So I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. You're gonna well, you think they can make it a little more Art Deco than it's very? This see, this is a little too modern. The outside of the building, beautiful. It's the, the inside 90s. here, the lobby. That's what I'm saying. Is this lobby is very 90s. Anyway, sorry, Aubrey, you were trying to say something. Uh, I was say this. This does remind me of lobbies of office buildings that I have worked in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just very. Uh, it's a little too modern. We cut to Acton, Montana. This is an un- unincorporated community in northwestern Yellowstone County, Montana. Its elevation is thirty eight hundred feet, and we see Hellboy. You got Hellboy. Liz and Abe. You got yeah. Abe. You got Liz. And they're fighting some 
wolves or something. They look Some, fucking good. Yeah. Liz looks amazing. I am so I'm all this is one of the best Liz designs. Well, I love when I've she's got seen. the collar. It's great. You know, she's got that jacket. collar yeah. sticking out of the jacket. That's her nineties look. She looks fantastic. I, I this guy's Liz is one of my favorite Liz's. And they're fighting off these wolves. Oh uh, boy looks great. Look at the jacket. Yeah. I've seen worse, he says. And we get right hand of doom boom number 40 hey, against a monster it? wolf dog. Whoa, 40 in episode 100. Yeah, there you go. I feel like there should be fireworks there. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this is a great little action scene. Yeah, I love the big this. three. They look great. I, I love Gris' uh, interpretation of old school Abe and Liz. Hell yeah. Afterwards, Abe calls into the BPRD and he comments, how weird it is that local authorities and nearby ranchers didn't know anything about this. Where did the tip come from anyway? A cold call on a public line, Liz responds. Some anonymous tipster. Who cares, Hellboy ass? Someone spots something nasty, tells us about it, and we take care of it. That's the job, right? I like how this oh, these books do such a good fucking job of these delicate parallels that just skim each other. Yeah. And don't quite... Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so beautiful the way that their, li- their lives are so involved and intertwined and they have no fucking... Well, uh, yeah. Hellboy. Hellboy has yes. no fucking idea. This guy obviously does. But, you know, he doesn't know. He's just like, yeah, whatever. It's just interesting. Sorry. That, I mean, uh, they've, they've been doing this the whole way through. Yes. It's, really it's brilliantly done. I like happening? how um, Liz is lighting Hellboy's cigarette and she's not lighting one for herself either. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. It's very nonchalant, too. She's not even looking at him. She's just holding her finger up and he's like leaning in. To it to light mm-hmm. the cigarette. That's very cute. That's such a great Thank moment. I didn't even notice that out, that Aubrey, out. Yeah. yeah, awesome. That is amazing. What a good panel. Back in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Michael writes in his notes. He's noticed the influence of the 369 Ogdraham is having on Abju to Earth, and it's intensifying. More and more, they attempt to pierce the veil of the world. He wonders if Hellboy's presence alone is the cause, but doesn't feel that Hellboy's ready for his knowledge in that role. Michael hears Ruby call for him, and he walks over to her. There you are, she says. I was starting to think you'd run off with another girl. Never, Michael says. I know a good thing when I see it. And Ruby asks if they can have Tom and Sally over for dinner. In the notes, Michael documents that these neighbors have been dead for many years. I had experienced human generosity before in my earlier visits to this world, but the kindness that Ruby shared was something special, he writes. That kindness grew into fondness and then affection, until finally a bond was forged between us that flowed in both directions. The way an alien would talk about falling in love with someone. I think that's just beautiful writing that flowed in both directions. Yeah, yeah. But as that connection between us grew, it never occurred to me that others might object, simply because of the color of her skin. And he's like, what the fuck is this horse shit? Are you kidding? That's so... What? Right. Really? Really? Ru- he's, he's, he's so confused by that. Ruby showed me the potential that humanity possessed to be kind and good, but humanity never let me forget that it could be venal and cruel as well. And so we see them walking through the street, and there's these faces that are all kind of like, turned up at them and they're like oh, angry with a and looking girl. yeah, yeah. Ugh, the whole that's just horrible horrible remarks i like I, it's good that they're including that that's the reality right of what a couple like this would have be, you know go still goes through sure constantly i mean i occasionally this right. is a thing that has ha- every once in a while has happened to us mm-hmm. but um not nearly as you know as hardcore as, right. as this 
Michael notes that he's seen the civil rights movement and society's reaction to it. Here we see like police brutality and lynchings. Really which fucked are, up. That's really shit. messed up. Yeah. yeah. And so Especially this, in light of what's been going on. Yeah. And this is the page we were referencing earlier, but it's reality for so many people. And so many people's lives are directly fucking impacted by this every single waking moment of their entire lives. Michael notes that humanity has achieved much since a cave dweller first smashed one stone against another to fashion a tool. And in some ways, they have scarcely grown at all. But every time he thinks humanity is irredeemable, Ruby would remind him of their potential for forgiveness. And so I love the way that this page is composed because it's just all white and it's just her face. And in her head is all that stuff's happening. Yeah. But what's the, yeah. the quote that's coming out of her mouth is, folks are hot and bothered because others are different from them. Just because somebody is other doesn't necessarily mean they are any less. When I look at this image, it makes me realize how far we haven't come since yeah. the civil rights movement. No, that's exactly and, right. And it's like, you want to think that, you know, we've moved forward. And, and we have, but we also, this could be an image from today. Yeah. Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's you yeah. hit the nail on the head. This, this is powerful could be, stuff, yeah. This shit is actually yeah. happening right fucking now. This is not something that used to happen in the fucking 60s and shit. This is happening still. And so exactly. how far we haven't come precisely and that's, you know, that's we all have to do we all have a responsibility to do everything we possibly fucking can to move this shit forward and by forward we mean getting rid of the reasons the shit is happening. Yeah. In the next scene, we see Michael learning about Professor Broom's trip to the Arctic with the Cavendish brothers. He's learned that humanity is not innately good, but Ruby has also taught him that they are not innately hateful. He's seen the effects of those lessons with Hellboy, and he's seen how Hellboy's learning to be human. His infernal origin matters less in the long run than his experiences. This, these pictures are so great. Yeah. He's built experience defending this world and protecting others. And then so suddenly the prism starts glowing. I find it interesting that uh, Professor Broom's Arctic trip was newsworthy. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting <laughs> that they, we don't really see that side of it where they actually talk about it in the news or in the public, right? And yeah, so these pictures are great. I guess this is one of the pictures that was inside the Life magazine. Remember yes. we saw the Life magazine in oh, one yeah. of the 50s? And then uh, this one is the one that was on the paper from 1952 where Hellboy became an official human citizen or whatever, where he's in front of the Nazi flag and all that. Well, he's uh, let's be clear, he's in front of a Nazi flag that he has burned and ripped right, up yeah. and desecrated. He's not just like posing in front of a Nazi yeah. flag. But well, that was that picture. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Archie was like, I got to get a picture gotta, of this. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fucking, you know, he's beaten Nazis to a pulp, which is awesome. So the prism starts glowing. Oh, and I uh, wanted to talk about this page layout too because oh, it's like great. it's four panels, but it's two panels, or it's one panel. It's, it's you know, good. it's it, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just love Gris, um, the his page layouts just really kind of build momentum and move you through the art and through the story just really yeah. efficiently. What do you think he's got in those long boxes? John. Oh, yeah, those look like comic <laughs> long boxes. Holy Obviously, shit. you can store any kind of documents you want in there, but. Uh, I'm gonna, I was assuming that those were like banker boxes and there's sure, files sure. in them. Yeah. But. I, I say there's Lobster Johnson There could be Lobster in there. Johnson in there, for sure. Commenting on the panel, I like how on the, on the bottom two panel or one, whatever, how the desk is split, but then the lamp the on lamp. the bottom part 
pops up into the yeah. top part. Of the it's great. Yeah, that's, that's it's just good. a great layout. It's cute. And so we cut over to Hellboy again. So I guess they've given him an, another mission, right? The prism started glowing, and now they've got another thing that they're working on this here. This is another great page. And they're fighting off some sort of Nazi skeletons. Because Liz says, <laughs> I, the war ended a long time ago, and you guys lost. You guys fucking lost. I assumed they were Confederate skeletons. Oh, they maybe are they are. Confederate skeletons. Okay. Look at their uniforms. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, well. What's the difference, though? It's the, the yeah. same shit. They were pretty Same ideology, Yeah, probably. exact same shit, so. Abe says, they go down easy, but there's a lot of them. I don't know, Abe, Hellboy says. This is kind of fun. Glad we got this anonymous tip. I was getting bored. Boom. Boom, and he says boom when he does it. So we get right hand of doom boom number 41. That's a great what? page. I love that. It's a great page. Two booms on the hundredth episode. That's, That's right. Wow. That's pretty good. Back in Bridgeport, the visitor observes Ruby's increasing dementia. There are moments when she remembers everything, but increasingly she spends her time in the far off yesterday. And so we see Ruby, she's on the couch and she's calling for her mother. And so the visitor turns himself into the mom yeah. to comfort her. See, I saw that as he's walking through the door. And he's, I, I didn't really see it so much as he's like shape-shifting into the mom. I kind of, the way I interpreted it when I read it mm-hmm. was that he just walks through the door to say, yeah, I'm right here. And she sees right, okay. her mother. I love that. She's perceiving in the reality that she is occupying in her mind. She is seeing her mother and experiencing her mother. But I don't know. I kind of read that as like, it's just him in his regular, that's yeah. like his regular self human sure, look yeah but she's experiencing that as she's interacting with her mom i guess i don't know that's just the way that i read it i, I read it as he he shifted his his sure. image shifter right. it works either way that's i mean yeah. it's it's sweet it's very sweet and cute i think for if if that's you know the way that it was intended if that's what he's doing sure i think that's that's fine it's if it's it's clearly comforting to her and not upsetting right so yeah sure why not if you can do that well, well, I mean, it's like he's he's able to do something that uh, most people in this state aren't yeah. able to experience. So he's able to actually present himself as the lost right, loved one. Yeah. Right. Um, that you know, somebody in a, in that state, you know, they they won't be able to experience that. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not causing her distress. She seems comforted. So it's yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. That's cute. And as the mom, he says something bothering you. No, Mama, Ruby says. I just didn't know where you were. I can't find my book, though. Have you seen it? And that, just that little response there was like, I don't know, that that really got to me, where she's like, I just didn't know where you were. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. you know, she's in a state where she just wants to know where her mom is. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you see that sometimes with people who are afflicted with these diseases that they kind of like, they're almost like, I don't know, like children again or something like that. And I think even the body language that Grizz draws her, it just lends this whole other emotional element to this scene. Well, and can you imagine how much anxiety that must fucking cause in a person? Yeah. I can't imagine the level of anxiety of like, all of a sudden your surroundings are different and you don't know where your mom is and what's happening and so that's yeah that's it's a very impactful page so she asks about the book and as the mom he says i'm sure it's around here somewhere and he kisses her forehead michael wants to give her happy memories as she goes adrift he's noticed that memories of pain fade quickly for ruby and memories of happiness go stronger with time 
It's one of the things I love about her, and I envy that, Michael writes. Our people are cursed with perfect memory. And we get a flashback. And so here we see the visitors, at the aliens, right? And it looks like they had a home world that was ravaged by the Ogdruhem. And we see all the creatures that go along with it, like the hammerheads that we saw on Hell on Earth. It seems like these monsters destroyed their world and caused them to go into space in that ship that we first saw in Seed of Destruction. They never forget the pain they suffered or all they lost, and yet they continue on. Just like we've talked about so many times, it doesn't beat you over the head with the origin of his species and all this kind of stuff, but we get a sense of what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we get a sense of what drove them from their planet and why they're in this ship. They draw strength from the support around them and try to share their wisdom with others to spare them and help them avoid the mistakes that they made. I'm so impressed with what he's able to fit into these extremely thin, tall panels. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that when I was doing my post. It's a lot of gris panels or these long I'm panels. really impressed yeah. with the composition of these because he's able to do so much really effective storytelling in almost impossible looking panels. Right, and yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah, it's good stuff. Because all that we have lost is never far from our thoughts, Michael thinks, so perhaps we are not so different after all. And as I was looking at this, you know, just again with the page layout, when Ruby is with the mom, on this bottom panel, it's just like the half of the mom's face. And then in the next, at the end of it, it's the visitor, right? It's the alien's face. So it's kind of like bringing you back in. You know, he has a flashback of his memories and then we are brought back into the present time. But this time, that's his true form. Just really cool. We cut to another scene in Bridgeport, and it looks like it's winter now. And Michael's looking for that book, and he finds it. It says, No Matter Where You Go, by Chaz Young. It's so sweet that he found out the name of the book. But we're not seeing all that. Right, We infer it. Um, But I did try to look for this book. I thought it was interesting because he goes, Such an amusing little story. Shame about what happened to the author, though. And I feel like that's an inside joke that I'm supposed to know or it's some bit of knowledge, but I couldn't find a reference to Chaz Young or this book, No Matter Where You Go. I wonder, is that but like, th- oh, the places you'll go? That's what I was thinking, Oh, too. maybe. What, ha- did, what happened to Dr. Seuss? Did something happen to him? He was a fucking racist. Oh, okay. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's like, oh, know. it's a shame that we... Maybe it's trying to draw a parallel there. It's a there. shame that he's horribly, horribly racist. <laughs> So Michael brings the book to Ruby. Can I read it to you, Ruby? He asks, or would you? Ruby? And he just drops the book. Oh, no. And then we just see this panel of him as the alien, and he's just like, oh. Oh. And then this panel of all black. And it's like, I feel like there's so much that's happening in this moment. Because he's got his report here that says, Humans are remarkable creatures for all their faults, capable of great things and boundless kindness. But in the end, none of them is able to escape the ravages of time. And then I feel like when he drops the book and then that white panel where he turns back into the visitor, that's like he snapped out of this thing. Like he got all wrapped up in this thing and he's like enjoying his life and he's enjoying passing off this things to Hellboy and all this stuff. And then here it's kind of like, pulls him back out of it and he's like the reality of human life and how it always how brief it is it's like yeah and it it just like snaps him back into i don't know you know what i mean yeah it hit me too i mean it's the reality of that i think is supposed to right have an impact 
And so we cut to this page where they're at the burial, I guess, and we see a graveyard. Ruby is gone. But all that I have lost will never be far from my thoughts. And so, you know, he already talked about they have perfect memory. So he will remember everything, you know, perfectly. The memories will never fade for him. And he's got the lilies. Beautiful. So that's the other thing too, right? So he's got the bouquet of lilies that he leaves at her gravesite. I I love, because for us now as you know, people who've been reading this for however many, well, it's been a hundred. It's been a hundred episodes. Yeah. One hundred. Uh, that's exactly how many. That's exactly how many. <laughs> the the lilies mean something more to us than just, mm-hmm. it's not your generic funeral scene. This isn't just any old, he's leaving flowers at her grave. The lilies to us symbolize something. Right. And it, to us, it symbolizes that she is absolutely... For lack of a better word and for lack of any kind of eloquence, of course, good. Yeah, yeah. She's very, very good. She's very worthy and, and there's, you know... that That's what it means to him, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that he carried that experience that he saw from when he saw Hellboy with the, the you know, the lilies ground of the blood. Right, he carried right. that here, carried that over to this, and that's, you know... Yeah, yeah, powerful stuff. And now we cut over to chapter five. Great cover by Paul Griss. I love having Hellboy and the Visitor on the same cover together, and we got the prism there too. Yeah, that's a great cover. And so this opening page, we're at Ruby's grave. Michael comments how strange it is to get used to being alone again, especially considering that solitude was his natural state for so long. I really love the, the way that he's drawn. Obviously, I mean, I love his art, but you know, the bouquet of lilies is very moodshot esque. It's very kind of you know the composition of all the panels is really wonderful in the way that it's um he kind of framed it yeah i suppose it does look framed it's really um it's really beautiful and you get a beautiful cardinal here we love cardinals we live here in houston texas we see a lot of cardinals down here at the theater and so but um one thing i will say is that a lot of people uh in our families at least i don't know if this is true for y'all's families listening to this but Whenever, you know, you see a cardinal, it's very, very special and it's very exciting Mm -hmm. because there's like a, for a lot of people, there's like a spiritual element going on there of like, oh, it's a loved one's spirit visiting you and it's, you know, it's a special, it's a special symbol of love and and uh they're watching over you, you know, with their visiting you. Sure. And so the visitor... And kind of like, so this is kind of, I don't know if that's was the intention. Yeah. Very well could be. Of it's like, definitely what I thought of. Yeah, that's what I thought of immediately is that Ruby, I mean, your dad even will like take a picture of a cardinal and be like, oh, it's my sister visiting me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh. And so it's very, you know, I, I felt like that was his way of being like, oh, here's Ruby's not yeah. far from you. She's always going to be with you kind of a thing. So. Yeah, I like that too. I definitely thought of that as well. And... I was trying to track down where that comes from. I don't know, yeah. And there are so many different beliefs uh, involving red cardinals. I found this on worldbirds.org. Native Americans believe these graceful creatures to have strong ties to their ancestors, so much so that they believe cardinals to be messengers of the spirits. Cardinals represent devotion, loving relationships, courtships, and monogamy above everything else in the Native American lore. While some tribes thought cardinals to be the harbinger of rain, other tribes like the Southeastern tribe associated good fortune and sun with them. It's not necessarily even like a certain specific, like a person's spirit visiting you within a bird. It's just more like 
a synchronicity. Right. Yeah. Of hey, um, being reminded of the love of your ancestors or your your other loved ones in your family and things right, like that. So right. it's kind of like almost a synchronicity type event. Yeah. I've actually I haven't really ever heard about the ancestor thing, but I've always heard that seeing a cardinal was was like good luck and you were gonna have a good day if you saw sure. a cardinal. Oh, on that okay. Day. Yeah. But I also want to add that um, Ruby was only 63 or 62, depending on if she died before her birthday, when oh, she died. Wow, wow. And so it just it's just another thing that shows you that disease can ravage you at, at any age. Right. And right. It, it's just sad that she was her life was cut short so early. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And we also see. 1993 as a year of her death and so we, uh, us keeping track of the timeline here know that that's a year before seed of destruction so everything in the hellboy world is about to ramp up big time in this next year and we see michael at the gravesite. he's and he's having another flashback he says once i knew the comforts of home of course but those days are long past for so much of my existence i had focused on the task at hand to the exclusion of all the other concerns. Sharing my life with another required considerable adjustment, and the transition was not always easy to make, but I find that I came to rely on it, and now that I'm once again alone, for the first time I find solitude is a difficult prospect. I was say, is it actually 93, or is it like several years later? I feel like he kind of visits her grave like maybe probably once a year. Yeah, I was thinking maybe it's the next like year, that. yeah, or something like that. Well, I was going to say, I think it's probably even further along. Cause, yeah, no, you're right. It is, I think it is further along. Yeah. I grow weary. I've had enough of existence, Michael writes. Perhaps the time has come to... And then the prism starts beeping. And it's the aliens, right? They're back in their rotation, so they haven't talked to Michael in all this time since he was first there at Hellboy's birth. And they say, it's good to hear your voice. They ask for an update. And Michael tells them that he's continued to monitor Hellboy, but he's also been distracted. His commander says they detected a power beam attempting to commune with the Audra Jihad. Michael says he knew about that, and he recounts the events of Seed of Destruction. And we all know this, right? Hellboy encountered frog monsters mutated by Saduhem. He encountered Rasputin, who was manifesting Saduhem, but obviously Hellboy, Liz, and Abe, with the help of the ghost of Cavendish, destroyed Rasputin's plans. Nice little recap there. I love seeing Paul Grist do his versions of those events. I like his uh, version of the frog monster. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And again, those long panels. Um, yeah. A lot of this is these long panels. I just think it's interesting. He really fits a lot in there. But also not a lot. Right, But still yeah. tells the story well. And that's something that I sincerely fucking appreciate. That he knows what to focus on when to get it told. It's just enough information. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Michael reports that his estimation of Hellboy's potential has been validated through observation and analysis. And when the time comes, he will be ready to take his place in the fight. None of that matters now, the commander interrupts. He reports to Michael that events of Conquer Worm. The Nazis sent a dead body into the void to snare one of the Ogdrahim. And now that vessel they sent is bound to Abjuda Earth and will be landing soon. He assigns Michael to eliminate the Ogdrahim, and when the situation is secured, he can return back to the station with them. I will see to it, Michael says. Goodbye, my friends. It was good to speak with you one last time. 
Wait, what do you mean, the commander asks, but Michael hangs up on him. I don't know how you hang up with the prism, but... Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Same way you do with a cell phone. Right, hit... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hit the little button on it. Yeah, but this is interesting, too, because, like, he's decided that this is going to be it for him. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to go on yeah. anymore with what he's experienced and all the human sentiments that he's become attached to. You know, the events of Conquer Room took place in 2001, so he's been without his wife for eight years. Wow, yeah. And, you know, I mean, like he said, you know, he grew attached to her, and, you know, he, he fell in love with her. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it's kind of common, like, you, you know, people who live together for so long, when one dies, the other just kind of feels empty without the other one. Right. Someone comes up to him, well, you know, it's better to have loved and lost than never, never to have loved at all. And he's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> we see Michael in a plane traveling to Hunt Castle. And so when he gets there, he investigates, but he ends up getting captured by the Nazis and they bring him to Von Klempt. And so I love all this, recounting Hunt Castle. Uh, Paul Grist does a very Mignola version yeah. of the Hunt Castle That's in good. this top panel. At the time, Von Klempt is still in his robot body here. Most interesting, Von Klempt says, I should be interested to learn what he knows. Nothing will interfere with my plans this time. And so we know that Hellboy messed up his plans in 1952, you know, where he was trying to do something there too. So when we read Conqueror Worm, we wouldn't have known that at the time. And we get this scene of Von Klempt attempting to interrogate Michael. But Michael just calls him a small monster, not understanding the true horrors that dwell in the depths. Von Klempt orders Michael be locked away. His granddaughter is luring Hellboy there, and they will put their plan in motion. And so if you remember in Conqueror Worm, you know, the granddaughter, she disguised herself as their guide. And then she turned on Hellboy and Roger once they got into the castle. And we get this scene. I really like this. This is just like the nature of the beast scene that we discussed in our last episode. Right. This is an exact recreation of what happened in Conqueror Worm. So they have the same dialogue and everything where he's it's like in his own style, clearly, but he does he does a great job with his recreation. Right. And so, you know, I thought this was a weird moment in Conquer Worm, but here it has so much context. It really because does, yeah. She's like, oh, I see this guy over there. Is he one of mine? And, and Von Klempt is like, oh, no, we found him. But you can have him, my dear. And then he says, do it. Because he's ready to die. Yeah. We know that. You know what I mean? So he's just like, just do it. You know, and so she shoots him. And in Conquer Worm, it also has this same pacing where we focus in on the on the shackles, you know, and on the blood of his hands. Although, you know, in Conquer Worm, when we saw this, it like, you know, it didn't have any kind of emotional connection. Yeah. But now yeah. that we've, we've been with through him through these five issues and or, oh, God, how many years? It's so <laughs> So cool. many years. Yeah. And so we've come to know who he is and we know his life and all that. And so now seeing this from circling back around, it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But it's also but it's also like, you know, he, he was ready. Yeah. You know. And in case you need a reminder, you can go way, way back to episode six where we discuss Conqueror Worm. And I definitely recommend going back and looking at that story either way because it all seems together so perfectly. It's mind-boggling to me how they weave all this uh, together. We make such a big deal about hands and feet. At least I do. Okay. <laughs> and this guy, it seems effortless. We know it's not, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. This is really cool to read with Conqueror Worm because we see Michael, he's chained up and bleeding out. 
and he's just hearing all the things that were happening. So we know that Hellboy was fighting this monkey, one of those Kree Groffin, and then Roger, he sucked up all the energy, all the electricity. And so the monkey could no longer shock Hellboy. And then Hellboy starts fighting the monkey. So then we hear like the visitors there bleeding out and he hears, hey, someone turn off the juice. That's what Hellboy tells the monkey when Roger cuts off the power. And then Hellboy is able to start fighting him back. And then the visitor's like, at last. And then Hellboy booms the Kriegoffin right through the wall. This is a right hand of Doom Boom number five recreated again for this panel right and so in conqueror worm we saw hellboy punch the monkey through the wall and then here we get the other side of it where the visitor sees it happen from his point of view i just really love that flashback boom yeah flashback (laughs) boom so much for you hellboy says hellboy michael says who's there a friend that's exactly what he says. So all this dialogue is taken straight from there. Super good. They kind of pare it down a little bit, which I like. I never believed I would see you again, but now I see the wisdom of it. Hellboy says, you seem familiar, maybe. Your voice, something. I was there, Michael says. That night you came into this world. I was posing as a soldier then, but really, I was an assassin sent to kill you. I knew you were coming, what you were. Anung Unrama, the destroyer. But that night I saw something else in you. Free will. The chance that you might break the bonds of fate and choose a life. So I broke with my masters and let you live. Ten years later, I watched lilies grow out of your spilled blood in St. Leonard's Wood. And I knew I had done the right thing. Who are you, Hellboy asks. It's not important, Michael says, but the thing coming here must be stopped. And so all that is straight from Conqueror Worm. Um, It's going to be great to put the comparisons together with Mignola's panels. And we cut out to the void and we see the alien visitor ship. And they're trying to establish contact with Michael again, but they haven't been able to. He seemed much changed since we last spoke, the commander says. Perhaps he spent too much time living among them. Perhaps he is no longer who he once was. I fear that we will never see our friend again. And we cut back to Michael and Hellboy, and he's telling Hellboy about the Ogdruhem and how he encountered one in the seance room of Mr. Todd. And that's from Goodbye, Mr. Todd, another short story that we covered early on in the podcast. And he gives Hellboy the prism. He says, here is a trap from which there is no escape. Use it. My time is nearly run out. Remember, whatever form it takes, the thing itself is a phantom. Its body will be a tool constructed from the dead pilot, from the spacecraft materials in the air. All right, Hellboy says, and he takes the prism. This is the end of me, the visitor says. It was good to see you again. My life has been well spent. Hellboy, to be other than human does not necessarily mean to be less. And so that's what Ruby told him. You know what I mean? That's the lesson that he learned from Ruby. And I love that he now he's passing that on to Hellboy. And I think it's just, it boggles my mind because I went back and looked at this dialogue. I'm like, that can't be what he says in Conqueror Worm, but it is. So how did they have the force? I mean, that is just good writing. Like, yeah. there is no way around it. That's just some fucking good writing where you can come back to it and craft this other story around it where... It gives us so much more emotional weight. You know, I really recommend going back and looking at at least this scene from Conqueror Worm. Remember that, Michael says. Remember me. Goodbye. And then we see Roger come up. Hellboy? Look, Roger. A dead alien. And that's it. And then we get this very last page. Here's where it really kind of tugs at your heartstrings. We just see the dead alien. 
the lilies, Michael and Ruby, and then just this blank panel. Yeah. The end. Wow. I like how it, it not only does it circle back to Conqueror Worm, it also circles back to the first issue of this series. You know, yeah. With Roger. Yeah. Yeah, look, Roger. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Aubrey. Yeah, and then we see the lilies too, which were the first two panels of this series. And so I, this is where I want to kind of circle back to Ross Radke's comment because I feel like we do learn some stuff about the aliens, you know, about the visitors. We learn that they had their own experience with the Ogdruhem and their world getting destroyed. And I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but we also learn like they have some sense of like, hey, let's see if Hellboy's going to be all right or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's a he's a half devil, but we're still going to try and see what it. We're willing to give it a shot. You know what I mean? We're really we're willing to put some hope out there that maybe if we just monitor him and you know that maybe he could be a force for good. And and the other thing that I wanted to talk about too was like I like Ross also expected this to be some cosmic thing and we're going to learn all about these aliens and then right. but you you get this like uh, and I was like what, what 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 am I doing? Yourself. Yes, it's like what am I doing tearing up reading this comic book about an alien? You know, this is supposed to be I thought this was going to be some grand cosmic maybe Jack the... Kirby thing, but it's like this is what it's really about. You know what I mean? Maybe the real grand cosmic aliens were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I mean, I I, I really enjoyed yeah, that. That is what it's all about, I, I, and that's I, I, to, they get to the heart of the matter. Yeah, and, and I enjoyed that. I it it kind of took me for a little bit of a loop, but I wasn't I wasn't disappointed by that. I was kind of no. I I, I, I was it's impressive. Yeah, I I just thought that um I don't know. I just wasn't expecting it, and in a good way, it surprised me. In a good way, I was like, this was a charming love story. You know what I mean? And for an alien character, quote unquote, this was one of the most human stories. That's the only thing in that makes all it the, all worth yeah. it. I mean, we're exploring the gut wrenching effects of loss and all that sort of thing, but in the end, yeah. what makes it truly yeah. worth it? Yeah. Like what what the fuck is it all about? What am I even living for? Well, I mean love. The ver all the various, various different forms of love, different types of love. But love yeah. is what it comes down to. What makes it worth it, it, it is the reason. And so dealing with that in such a sophisticated way, I mean, but not in a, you know, it's a story well told. Yeah. Let's just say that. And, and it's really, yeah. And, and I think we were laughing about it a little bit last week, how he's gonna, we know that he's going to give Hellboy the prism and then the prism's just going to get crushed and they're not even going to get to use it. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is he tells Hellboy to be other than human does not necessarily mean to be less. Yeah. That is the yeah. important thing that he's, he's passing on to yeah, Hellboy. And I want to say that there's a story, I didn't have time to look for this, but I want to say there's a story where Hellboy tells that to Roger or to another character. It's such an important... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so like that's really what he's passing off to Hellboy. And and he's seen Hellboy grow and he's learned to put some trust into Hellboy and believe that he's going to be a power for good and here he's kind of shaping him in his own way. You know, he's he started off the story being like I'm just going to monitor him and analyze him, but at the end here he actually takes a hand in shaping what Hellboy's going to become, which I think is just amazing. And I think it's just a really good bit of storytelling. And then also, um, at the end of Conqueror Worm, isn't that when Hellboy quits the BPRD and starts on his own adventure? Yeah, yeah, and exactly right. 
So, I mean, you know, maybe that was also like, you know, Hellboy hears that and he's just like, okay, you know, maybe it's not like, oh, I've been thinking about quitting the BPRD because, you know, he, he was, you know, they put that bomb in Roger's chest right, and all that. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe we just slightly gave him that kind of like motivation to be all like, I can do this on my own. I don't, I don't need the BPRD to, to, to be my life. My right. life is my own. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for bringing that back around, Aubrey. Um, at the end here, we have this great uh, little section by Chris Robertson where he writes, what's the deal with those alien guys? And so you can read that. He talks about um, coming together with Mignola to write this thing. I did want to read this part. He says, the conversation continued into weeks and months that followed over the course of a series of long phone conversations. Mike explained to me who the alien observers were and where they come from. And together he worked out the broad strokes of what that alien guy had been doing on Earth all this time. The tone of the story came very quickly into focus when we hit upon the idea that he would have married a human woman and, of course, been forced to watch her slowly age and die before his eyes. What had begun as a story of an alien observer who had gone native, living amongst humans, took on an almost elegiac quality, becoming as much about morality, memory, and loss than anything else. And I was reminded of the titular character of Nelson Rogue's film adaptation of Walter Tevis's The Man Who Fell to Earth, as played by David Bowie. Both are aliens who come to Earth to accomplish a particular mission, but get sidetracked along the way. And both stories center around the ways in which they are changed and affected by their experiences dealing with humanity. It was around that time that Mike first suggested the title, The Visitor, How and Why He Stayed. And it stuck. But the series finally came into focus when I asked Mike what he thought about approaching Paul Grist to draw the series. Paul was one of the best visual storytellers working in comics today, and I thought he would be perfect to handle a book that would be as quiet and emotional as the story that we'd worked up. Mike agreed immediately, and the next day he emailed me to say that he'd approached Paul and that he was on board. When the pages started coming in, we could all see that we had been absolutely right, as they were unlike anything else but absolutely perfect for the story that we were telling. Yeah, I love that. And so I also like the idea that uh, I always wonder who picks the artist. And so here we get the inkling that Robertson, you know, it was his idea to bring Paul Grist on board. I like that, that the writer has some say, you yeah, know, in who great. they can bring in. I think that's really well, cool. Well, you want a good storytelling team. So it's well, good to yeah. have a good dynamic. I like how he, he, he suggested it. And then like, you know, Mike's like, in the case that Mike reached out to him, he's like, hey, you want to do this? Yeah. He's like, yeah. But one thing that... Um, you didn't read in this thing that I really liked. He's like, after he's asking about that alien guy, he said, there was a glimmer in Mike's eye as he smiled and answered, right. That alien guy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. man, that's so cool. So Mike, Mike never forgot about the alien right, guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mr. Mignola never forgot about the alien guy. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'm not on first name basis with him. <laughs> right. I feel, I was sure about that too. I'm like, I shouldn't just call people by their first name. If I've never met them, I'll probably just keep referring to him as Mr. Mignola, but. Yeah, but uh, but you know, it's just like so. I mean, he's got the whole world in his head. Yeah, sure, right. that's cool. And we see some great sketchbook section from Paul Grist. We see him drafting out Michael and Hellboy. I think this is really cool. On the cover, they were going to have him in his human form, but then they decided to, you know, conceal that for the book and have him be an alien on the cover. But we see some of the drafts of what that cover might have been. And I think this is cool, too. Paul Grist also did the logo for The Visitor. That's a very distinctive logo, too. And so they talk about that as well. 
And like we, how he kept he kept resisting to put the how and why he stayed, and he's like, you "Just have your guys." Yeah, he's like, "No, no, no, that's part of the title. You want you to do the whole thing." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we talked a lot about the the blood droplets in the early in that first issue. Remember yeah. that layout, yeah, and you yeah. were talking about how it was almost subliminal. Yeah. And so this is really cool. You know, Paul Grist really worked on trying to get that idea, and we kind of see that he did several versions. Of what that would be, what that was going to look like. Ultimately, the one that he did was it has it like at a as a black panel going through all four yeah, pages. It's super interesting. But we can see here he had a different idea about it initially, and just some great pencils and sketches of the cover for issue two as well. I love seeing those. And then at the end, we have this short story in the back of the trade paperback version, which is what we're looking at. We have. God Rest Ye Mary. This is a short story that originally appeared in Hellboy Winter Special 2017, written by Mignola and Robertson, art by Paul Grist, colors by Bill Crabtree, and letters by Clem Robbins. So they got the whole team back for this Winter Special story. And we're in Fairfield, Connecticut in 1961, and it looks like it's Christmas time. And I don't know, I guess they're all out shopping because Broom has like a little package and stuff. And we see Hellboy, we see Vic... We see Professor Broom, and who's this lady right here next to him? I don't know. Oh, they, they they say her name later, I think. Yeah, her, they call her Sue. Ah. That's Susan Zhang. Oh, isn't that neat? So I guess like she's she's older. Okay, wow. cool. Okay, so it's because like I I don't know. I guess I got excited about that because. You know, we have her right now as a current character in yeah. the 1950s series. But she's, yeah. But like, so I, I saw this and go and went, oh, she survives. Oh, yeah. She's going to live. That's great, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. At least until awesome. here, you sure, know what I mean? Sure. Until at least the 60s or right. something. I think that's so cool, though. That is they, cool. That's great. Yeah. Oh, and, and Vic's going to survive, too. Yeah, it looks like Vic is there. We, but I but I wonder what, what ends up happening to him. Uh, maybe we'll see him in more of the 1950s stories. I, I really like Hellboy's scarf that he's wearing. Oh, he does have a nice little scarf. Yeah. He's got his BPRD shirt underneath. But they're like, oh, what's going on with that geezer? And Hellboy's like, your guess is as good as mine, but I'm guessing someone's getting a lump of coal in their stockings after this. And we see this evil Santa Claus. And it looks like he's taken out a cop behind them. And Vic immediately jumps into action. He's like, I've got this. Catch me if I fall. And Hellboy's like, wait, damn it, kid. And so he lets loose the ectoplasm monkey. This looks more like the one that we saw in Unreasoning Beast. And so the monkey goes after the Santa Claus. And the Santa Claus throws the bell. uh, And it passes through the monkey. And then it hits Vic on the head. And so when it knocks him out, the monkey dissipates. And Hellboy catches him. One of these days, you're going to listen when I tell you to wait, Vic. So he's like still like a impulsive agent, I guess. You know, I like how the, the how the monkey looks at Vic right when the thing hits. He's like, "Shit!" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. And so Hellboy's like, "Hey, Saint Nick, playtime's over." And so of course they're going to start fighting each other. And I love this, right? Um, seeing this buff giant monster Santa Claus go up against Hellboy is just really great. Awesome art by Paul Grist here. There's something comical about this, just like when they were fighting that armadillo. (laughs) I'll get Victor out of here, Professor Sue says. And Broom goes to try to do the crowd control. And here's where Victor, he says, it's no problem, Sue, I'm fine. So that's where I was like, oh, that's who she is. Because she's kind of got like a different hairstyle here and stuff like that. And so as Hellboy's fighting the Santa Claus... Someone comes up to Broom. We see, we actually see Michael in the background with the crowd. And he tells Broom, he's going about this all wrong. 
Brute force isn't the solution. And Broom's like, please, sir, you need to clear the area. I'll be going soon, Michael says, but I need to tell you something before I go. And Broom's like, hmm, I swear I met you before. During the war, perhaps? Because he was one of the soldiers, right? He was. I have been witness to a great many conflicts, Michael says, but that is not relevant at the moment. The man your team faces is possessed by a dire force, a powerful evil, was long ago confined within an amulet. This man came into possession of it by happenstance and put it on without knowing that he imperiled himself by doing so. And so we see he's got this, like, kind of horseshoe-shaped, or it looks kind of like an Omega sign. It's like an upside-down upside down Omega sign. Right. You know, it kind of reminds me of that Ohm Society, the Ohm Institute. Remember mm, we talked yeah. about that? After Broom gets this information, he calls out to Hellboy. He's like, oh, I'll take the amulet from around his neck. Huh. I'll be damned, Hellboy says. Give me that. And he just, like, pulls it off and crunches it. And, of course, that solves everything. He's like, yep, that did it. Thanks for the tip, Prof, Hellboy says. We're lucky you were here. How was it you came to know about the amulet and the... Oh, Michael pulled a Batman on Broom, right? <laughs> Turns around and he's not there anymore. Oh, that's good. And Broom doesn't look too happy about that <laughs> either. And so we cut over. I love this. We get to see the BPRD Christmas party. Nice. They're all hanging out there. And Hellboy received an ugly snowman sweater from Vic. He's like, hardy har, Vic. Uh. Put it on, HV. I think it suits you. And we see Broom talking to Susan Jang. Professor, who was that man you were talking to, she asked. The one who told you about the amulet. I'm not sure, Susan, Broom says. He never gave a name. I'd seen him before, though. I'm certain of that. We'll have to keep an eye out for him. Aww. The end. Yeah, a great little scene. I, I like uh, this little kind of afterward. I thought it was interesting that they put it here at the end. We probably should have read it in between parts one and two. But uh, I think this is fine, too. And it's kind of like a nice little... It ties a nice little bow on the end, you know? Yeah, it was a, it was a nice story. It, it does feel like it should have gone in between, like, maybe two and three. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it, is, it's, it was a nice little epilogue at the end yeah and and now we have a very special surprise for our last story that we're going to discuss today so what i'm going to do is i'm going to upload this onto our podbean webpage. um if you want to check it out i'll post it on our social medias as well on the facebook's and the instagram's and on the what are you like twitter stuff like that yeah we'll okay. post it on all those things we're going to be discussing hellboy book club podcast the centennial Aww, this was so touching I couldn't believe when you showed me this, I was just beside myself. Yeah. This is too much, really. I, I, I got tears Aww. when I saw this. I was just like, oh my God, this is so amazing. This is a four-page short story that was written, illustrated, colored, and lettered by the great Black Flame hater, co-host, and amazing friend all around, Matt Strackbine. Matt Strackbine. Ultimate book club member? Yeah, yeah Ultimate for tier, sure. For sure. After the, I mean, this is ridiculous. And so, yeah, we were blown away by this. Matt did this special four-page comic for our 100th episode. And I couldn't believe the amount of work that he put into this. It's incredible. And so, so, um, so if you're listening and you haven't checked this out, you know, pause the podcast, go over to our social media or to our Podbeam webpage or our Facebook About section and check it out really quick and then come sweet. back and, and listen to it with us. Uh, I was very touched by this. It was very sweet. So we open, it says, Beyond the Thrice Nine Lands in the Thrice Tenth Kingdom. Yes, hell yes. <laughs> I'm excited. And I'm there, and I say, this is not Texas anymore. Yeah, and I'm there too. We're all there. Look at that. Anyone want to take a guess where we may be headed? Anyone want to take a guess of how we got here? Actually, 
whatever's going on, I think we've arrived. We'll find our answers over there. <laughs> well, then, what are we Wait. waiting for? Let's get going. So and cute. so you've got your little sword there. Yeah, yeah. I've got my Howard sword. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. For he, I've got a little sling for it on my back. And we're approaching this evil castle. I'm in castle. black and gray, which is very yeah. appropriate. And uh, this castle kind of reminds me of the one that we saw in The Fury. This is the one where Nimue was in the mm. top and nice. and she was turned into the dragon and all that. I like how you're still, you can't turn it off. You've got to. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to do it. <laughs> We talk about the art. Let's talk about the art here. Yeah, um, just amazing uh, what Matt did with the colors here because it kind of shifts, you know. When it's we, beautiful, yeah. And, and it kind of reminds me of you know Yosef and Vivara. You know, we're walking through the woods, and then we're the all woods, in, yeah. And all and of a sudden, the, it's somewhere else. A big and then, wall of clouds. Well, it, first the woods turn into like an all gray, yeah. all black, kind of like the way it was in Hell, and then we're on this scene here. It's nice. This is so strange. Don't you guys think we should turn back? Maybe get some pickles? (laughs) Turn back to where? And then all of a sudden we hear, hey, you damn guys, you lost? Hey, damn guys. Look who it is. And it's mad. He's sitting there. Because you look a little lost. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And he's got these two little Mignola skeletons next Uh. to him. And yeah, just like Aubrey said, one of them says, it's true. We're just kidding, Matt says. He's waiting for you inside. You can go in. Waiting for us. All right, gang. We've come this far. Uh, let's get on with it then. And I like one of the skeletons is like pointing to the door. And Matt is also pointing to it. It's just really, I, I love the character work there. Like a little, he says, uh, he tells you cool sword. Thanks. It was a custom job, I ah. say. And I'm pulling the sword out of the sheath and there's like a lightning bolt behind me. It's really good. <laughs> this is adorable. And as we enter the castle, I go, hello. Hell oh. So good. There's these spooky skeletons flying through the air and they say, welcome, book club members. And I go, Mark Tweedell. (laughs) And it's Mark Tweedell. He's floating there in the air. Another ultimate book club member. Ultimate book club member. Yeah. And all these... uh, these like flames have all these like runes in them and shit. Yeah, this is really cool. Super dope. And Mark, he looks at us and he says, "Congratulations on 100 episodes, friends. You've made it. Like it or not, you're genuine nerds now." <laughs> nice, I nice. say. <laughs> that 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 final fan. Oh, it's so great. Nice. <laughs> I can hear their voices too. By the way, I can yeah. hear yes. Nice track by oh, me Mark Tweedale saying all this stuff. Exactly. And then we get this awesome splash page at the end. So- with the hundred episode, uh, it says a hundred with the tentacles, and we're there with Hellboy. We're all in our tuxedos and stuff like that, in our formal wear. Just amazing. Just um, this page is so. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's super cute. I love it. Clearly, a lot of work went into this as well, which is it's really impressive. And so I, um, I yeah, I started this last page for a while. This is amazing. I, I- I've read this thing over and over Aww. and over again. It's just so amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank Very you. Very cute. Got a little microphones here. And, and if you, the more that you go through it, there are more references that you catch. So, like, I noticed that that castle looked like Nimue's castle. I had asked Matt about it. He said there's a lot of panel homages in there, too. Mark's scene is from the island. Yeah. When Hellboy goes in yeah. and he finds that mm-hmm. old guy, then that guy's floating there. That's kind of how Mark is floating there, too. And he also says Danielle is in the same pose as Alice when she's looking at the castle from the Fury. 
So that there's a lot of little homages in there to a lot of the Hellboy stories. And of course, all the stupid things that we say on the podcast, like talking about pickles and all that stuff. And <laughs> hey, you damn guys. And it's just so great. I, I was blown away by this. And then, and Matt's also reading a Lobster Johnson comic. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, we see the cover of Garden of Bones. Nice. Uh, that's a great Lobster Johnson story. And Matt always inserts those little covers in there in all his comics. And um, I've been such a fan of Matt's work on his comics within the BPRD comics. And then to get a comic of us is Cute. just mind-blowing. And yeah, we were so blown away by it and so touched by the amount of work that he put in there. Um, please go check that out on our social media. I'm going to post it up there so everyone can enjoy it. There's it's just, nothing um, quite like that. As, as a gift, this kind of thing is, there's really, I mean, what can you say? You say G's, yeah. just like Hellboy says. Yeah. 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 I mean, I there's there's no way to really convey the amount of gratitude. You know. Yeah, well it's I yeah. I mean, how do you convey your appreciation for something this heartwarming? It's adorable. It and really so, is. But that's what we were saying at the top of the episode is just you know, the friendships that we've made are so precious and and um amazing and it was very unexpected for me yeah. at least. So this is it culminates uh, for it to culminate into into this is just very sweet. So yeah, uh, Matt, if you were here right now, I would give you like the biggest hug Aww. ever. Well, and, no, and you and, your hug and your shoulder might be a little wet because I'll be got all tearing up and crying and all that. You know, but I would I would give you. you know, I mean, this is amazing. Thank you. You give him a yeah. pretend hug in your mind because of the oh, virus. I'm I'm saying besides the whole oh, Corona okay. COVID thing, okay. I'm just saying. Good. Give him a psychic. Yeah, like, huge virtual hug huge out virtual. to Matt and lots of love to him. We we really appreciate you, Matt, if you're listening. And thank you so much for doing this comic and for just being on the show and being our friend and everything. Yeah, and really nice. I think it's been really amazing that we've been able to work with you on the show and with Mark and everything. And I love how he brought it. He he kind of like wrapped it all up with this with this comic. It's very, um, all yeah. those different feels. So. Yeah, yeah, really awesome. So I hope that you guys will check out this uh, this comic from Matt, and I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you've enjoyed our 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun, and we've got a couple more. You know, we're winding down, I think. I think that we're starting to, we're way past the halfway point uh, at this yeah. stage, and so we've got a couple months worth of episodes, but yeah, you know. Um, it's really exciting to get to 100. I'm glad that we were able to do it with The Visitor because this is one of my favorite stories. And we've got some really great stories coming up in the next couple months as well. So anyway, thanks again for all of our listeners. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Mark Tweedo, um, for all the work that you guys have done to help us with the show. And I can't say it enough. Thank you for all the listeners. And I hope that you guys will stick around for our remaining episodes and now Aubrey's going to say all the things for a hundred times. Aubrey, you've been saying the things a hundred times now. And I, and I still got to use my notes. <laughs> it's all good. All right, everybody. 100 episodes. 100. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? Send us a Hey You Damn Guys and tell us how long you've been listening. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website and including this really cool comic that Matt did for us that John's going to load um, upload for you guys to download 
As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gardaharn for the amazing music. Thank you, Paul. That's been it's another so thing. beautiful. That's been another amazing thing we haven't talked about. Incredible. Uh, yeah, Paul from Gardaharn. Paul from Gardaharn. He's, give us, he's given us so much music over so the sweet. last two years. Very and special. also, Side Street Steppers have given us some great music. So, yeah, thank you for that, too. Yes, thank you, Side Street Steppers, as well. A thank you to Mark Tweedell for all the hard work he's done with helping us with the radio order to get us to 100. Thank you, John, for editing 100 fucking amazing episodes. <laughs> As always, you can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are reading Hellboy, an Assortment of Horrors, The Promised Smile, The Other Side of Summer, Actual book stories. Actual book stories. Yeah, we're gonna do some actual book stories. That's uh, oh, that we'll, we'll see how that works out. Nice. <laughs> I will say, I, I will say really quick though that um, an assortment of horrors is on Hoopla. You can check your local library. I did. I have the library app for my local library, and assortment of horrors is on there. I also have the actual physical book, but I'll probably be checking out the audio version as well. So feel free to check that out too. That, that's also on the audible app all right so we have something new for you to do you need to pull out that book go to your library uh, on the hoopla app or get the audible file and listen and enjoy and join us next week on the hellboy book club podcast thank you for listening everybody for a hundred times my name's john salinas i'm 100 <laughs> and i'm aubrey loveless saying look roger a dead alien oh, no <laughs> A hundred episodes. We love you guys. One hundo. Love you guys. Oh my god, one hundred.